Welcome to the Professional Services Pursuit, a podcast featuring expert advice and insights on the professional services industry. So I'm Brent Trimble, and my guest today is the Managing Director at Mirren Business Development, Brent Hudgens. Brent is an author, an international keynote speaker. He's lectured at several Ivy League schools, such as Harvard, the small private school up in Boston, as well as driving innovation, leadership, consulting, and change management for agencies and marketing services industries worldwide. And Brent, it's great to have you on this episode. I've been looking forward to this. Uh, It's wonderful to have you. Good to be here. Thanks, Brent. Before we kick in and really gain some of your insight around trends you're seeing in new business, trends you're seeing in marketing services, the agency space, give us a little bit of the background, kind of the 30-second overview or so of what led you to form Mirren and a little bit about what you're, what you're up to, that trajectory. Yeah. At our core, we're a consulting, we're a training firm focused primarily on the agency world, the marketing services agency world, as you mentioned. And the objective of our training is to help fuel growth, primarily through growing existing accounts and bringing in more effectively bringing in new accounts to the uh, to the agency. The principles actually apply across much of the professional services space. And at the core of it is really, it's having teams as they're speaking to their clients, working with their clients as they're pitching new accounts to have them better understand, better address the business goals, the business objectives, the most pressing business needs of their clients and their their prospects and have them correlate everything in terms of how they describe their firms, how they position their firms, how they pitch their firms and the work that they provide, having it correlate back to those client uh, KPIs, you know, key performance indicators, those metrics by which clients measure the health and performance of their, their business, their marketing. And when I was still agency side, I had noticed that a lot of marketing services agencies, while brilliant at marketing the wares of their clients, broke down when it came to marketing themselves. They weren't so good at sort of holding up the mirror, reflecting their same uh, methodology back on themselves. Plus, I think it's hard when you lose your objectivity really quickly when you're trying to market yourself and position yourself. So I had noticed the issue when I was still agency side and realized that uh, there was an opportunity to provide services to help marketing services firms with us. And we've since actually been pulled into media sales as well, working with media publishing entertainment companies who target brands, who target agencies, who also need some support in having what they're providing, buying time and space, having that better correlate to benefits for their their clients. That's great. And I think I'm going back in time because I actually attended a a few of the first Mirren symposiums that we'll we'll talk about at the conclusion of our episode, but you're more than a decade in in now with with Mirren. Is that right? Yeah, we're actually 15, 16 15, years yeah. in now. And yes, to your point, in addition to the consulting and the training work, yeah, we have our our annual Mirren Live conference every May. Yeah. So so let's dive in and talk 
some some practical sort of topical observations we're seeing in the market. And I'll I'll start with two we observe in our space, which is which is different. Of course, we're a platform operation backstop provider for marketing services and, and consulting orgs. But two trends I think really stood out to me over the past 24 months plus of upheaval. One was the overall resilience of the space. Agencies obviously took a hit, you know, in the initial financial shock as they always do, but then quickly rebounded because marketing and messaging is is really important, particularly in times where businesses had to adapt and pivot to 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 restrictions and in different ways to reach consumers. The other is this notion we've seen of agencies beginning to really modernize a, a bit, both their technology and their process. And then in the midst of all this, we see you know the results, right? I mean, I think S4 Capital, of course, Martin Sorrell's group posted something like 40% growth year over year in his last quarter. WPP, I think, posted something like between 12 and 14%. Growth, which in a you know in a large established business is double digit growth is really is really compelling. What are you seeing in the practice? And I know you you work with agencies, medium sized, large, public, and private. Give us sort of a list, some quick hits of of trends you're seeing with both agencies and their leadership right now. Well, to your point, the notion of you know, market resilience with agencies. It's been interesting to watch even over the last couple of years, even the, the decade kind of pre-COVID. You know, the agency business, it's, it's a tough one. It's competitive. There are thousands upon thousands of marketing services firms in the U.S. alone, all competing for pieces of that marketing budget you know, whether they specialize in digital or advertising or communications, public relations, experiential, they're still competing for a piece of that marketing budget. It's a tough, tough business. And when COVID really hit kind of, you know, mid-March-ish, late March of 2020, there was a significant dip. And we were looking at projections for the industry that in my more than 30 years in the agency world were bleaker than anything I had ever seen before. Thankfully, those projections were off. And while there was a dip for a couple, a few months, the role that agencies play in building brands that command markets is still absolutely necessary to keep the economy moving. And even as agencies deal with new competitors coming into their space, management consulting firms, retail networks like Amazon, Walmart, Target, Google, and Facebook, a couple of areas in particular where agencies excel is number one, their understanding of consumers. The, the, not just the, the demographics, but the psychographics, understanding purchase behavior, understanding those unmet needs that can be tapped to help compel people to support a brand, to engage with a, a brand, to buy their product or service. So their understanding of consumers is unparalleled. At the same time, the creativity that comes out of agencies, I think it's an area where Management consulting firms have struggled a little bit more, and that's in part because management consulting firms are a little bit more oriented around process and models and framework and scalability, which is absolutely brilliant. However, 
it's difficult to put systems and process and scale behind the creative side of agencies. So there's a just a couple of areas where I think clients realized they still need a lot of support, and especially with the changing market conditions, the the pace of change, the complexity of change made it so that clients sort of had to throw up a white flag and say, you know, uncle, we need help here. We can't do this. Holy cow. This is absolutely crazy what's going on right now. Let's get our agencies back in the fold. We need them. We need help. You know, in general, outsourcing is sort of what firms do when it becomes too complex to do it yourself internally. And we certainly saw that happen. And the growth that's happened since has just been phenomenal. Even with the latest projections, the growth of marketing spend, even the growth of the economy is projected to be greater than if COVID never even happened, which is fascinating in and of itself. Uh, So certainly resilience agencies have done have done quite well. Yeah, I mean, that's it's it's definitely in the you know, you know, the proofs in the pudding, whether it's public filings and and quarterly results or just anecdotally, you know, what we're hearing from our shops on the ground. And then certainly just in the in the overall zeitgeist, I mean, just the the open roles available at agencies of all sizes, the variety of roles, the I think pivot to to strategy and creative where that all still matters in hyperfragmentation seems to really really bear that out. One of the one of the things you touched on was this notion of growing existing accounts and it's I I I think of, you know, my years in agencies and I think of a sort of a a seminal conversation sticks out to me once, you know, of course, working late night on a pitch in Manhattan and you know all the creativity and collaboration and kind of hyper frenetic pace that goes into that and then walking past more of a junior account person's desk and them dealing with an issue on on a key client, you know, client upset about something or, you know, some kind of deliverable wasn't met or expectations weren't in sync and and him turning to me and saying, you know, all this all these pitches that go through, it'd be great if we could be in the keeping business business as well as the new business. And so that's always kind of stuck to me. And then the times I've spent in management consulting and talking through adapting some of their methodology around this notion of account planning every year, you know, with, with an engagement in an account, it sounds to me like you're seeing agencies pivot a bit there and really going deeper with, with existing, uh, existing business. Absolutely. There's been a positive shift in that way. Historically, the agency world has been addicted to RFPs, to pitching new business. And there's a thrill, there's an excitement, there's an adrenaline rush that goes with the production of a large pitch. And as much as agencies complain about having to pitch for business secretly, they actually love it. And at the same time, as the addiction deepens, what happens is agencies sort of, and even as they maybe have a low win rate, they get caught in this rut of as long as we're pitching, we're moving forward. As long as we're pitching, we're trying to get better rather than stopping stepping back, taking a good look at the organization, the practices, how it's growing itself, and better looking at how to allocate the finite 
amount of resources that they have. And I think that's been happening much more over the last year or two. And it's resulting in agencies kind of having these, this light bulb moment of, hang on, we've got some incredible clients on our roster already. We have a relationship. The door is open. We understand the business. Why don't we more proactively lean in on these existing relationships? Plus, it's it's one of the highest margin uses of time in terms of bringing more revenue into the agency. With RFPs, the big challenge there is not just the, the time, the energy, and of course, culture that you hemorrhage or morale that you hemorrhage when you have a few losses in a row, but the out-of-pocket cost, uh, out costs can add up pretty quickly as well. You know, when I was still agency side, I was in a, a number of pitches where we spent several hundred thousand dollars out of pocket, particularly when I was at uh, Wyden and Kennedy and, and TBWA uh, spending a lot on new business. The problem is if you lose, now the amount of revenue that you need to generate to throw off the profit to cover what you spent on those other pitches, it, the math just doesn't work at all. And that's just to cover the cost, the, you know, the out-of-pocket costs, not the, the time and the effort and the energy that went into it as well. Whereas with organic growth, you're probably able to be in front of the client again in a week or two and leaning on that relationship and that understanding of their, their business. Plus, when you more proactively lean in with an existing client, you know, you're deepening the relationship, you're demonstrating your proactive nature that you're on it, you're on their team, we're here with you, we're focused on your growth, you increase the tenure of those clients, you increase the margin of those clients. So there's all kinds of, uh, of benefits to organic growth. And in fact, I remember at one of our conferences, one of the founding partners of Anomaly, Jason DeLand, made a, a comment giving one of his talks that you know, the agency believes that new business is the lifeblood of the industry. It's not. It's not at all. It's organic growth. It's growing your existing accounts. That's where you need to be leaning in first. Plus, the other challenge with agencies where, or any firm, if your pipeline is solely based on RFPs, you don't have a balanced pipeline. You don't have choice. So now you feel undue pressure to have to say yes to every RFP that comes in because you don't know when the phone is going to ring again, as opposed to, well, maybe we could put those resources against growing that account or that account or building a proactive prospecting program where we start targeting prospects that we have the credibility to go after that are a good fit for our firm. So we've got options now, but most tend to be sort of caught in that RFP addiction RFP pipeline. Well, yeah, and of course, I mean, there's nothing like working days and nights and evenings and you know, getting that call that that you've been selected and getting it splashed over all the the agency press. It's it's a little maybe less glamorous for having those steady relationships. But to your point, you know, that's really where I think values driven and you know, long term um, profit back to the shop, stabilizing the business. You you, know, you go into a year with a great backstop and some predictability in it. And uh, not the frenetic sort of up and down cyclical nature. And to and and again, a good point you brought up. 
not every, and I think this is one of the things Mirren really emphasizes in your, in your training to give some kudos there is the notion of qualifying. Like not every RFP is a great fit. In fact, many aren't. And, you know, tremendous expense on, on spec work and, and potentially now hybrid travel expenses, man, you know, man hours that are direct hit to EBITDA. I mean, those are hard costs, right? Qualification is key. You know, we often say a lead is not a lead until it is qualified and until you are qualified, until you've qualified yourself for that lead as well. Because part of what's happening, particularly in the RFP process, is with the involvement of procurement, you've now got this situation where X number of vendors must participate in every RFP. And in the case of agencies, that could be 10, 12, 15, 20 agencies that must participate in the initial round. But marketing, who does not love procurement, marketing client side, they don't have time to spend all this effort to research 20 agencies. So they'll pick the one or two that they know will do well. So those are the favorites. Then they look up another 15 or 18 agencies who are the filler agencies. And agencies don't realize often when they're being invited to the review that the job of that person calling on them is to fill seats. And one of the things you have to suss out pretty early in the process is, are you a favorite or are you filler to meet pitch participation quotas. And that just complicates things, you know, even even further. So a lot of agencies unsuspectingly, because the client's going to give them the sales pitch because they want to get another agency confirmed so they can move on to the next one. It kind of feels like, and I've been on the receiving end of those calls, you feel like a hero. Oh, you guys look amazing. They don't know anything about you, but you look amazing. You're great. You're creative. Love your work. They can't name any of it, but they love your work. And then, oh my God, we're going to win this. Let's go. So, you know, along that vein of of organic, and then this notion of you know, there's there's a couple of quadrant pressure on the business from the you know the the now several year almost decade of the management consultancies moving into the domain of agencies, and this perception that their talent and their folks are more business focused. You know, they're getting to the to the meat of the client's business sooner, maybe a bit more serious uh, with creativity comes up sometimes a perception of kind of ephemerate sort of tactical stuff, whatever the case might be. You bring up a good point around a, a trend of diving back in the client's business, getting a bit deeper, but from a talent match fit cultural DNA how are agency folks still different than the clients of whom they're interacting with? Yeah, there's a, a couple of good points in there. And the talent consulting side, management consulting side, the, I would say the talent and the training that talent receives is quite significantly different compared to the, the agency world. And then you have the difference between agency executives and their clients. And I think the simplest way to think of that is that agency people tend to be very right brain, very creative, entrepreneurial spirit, variety is the spice of life, get bored very easily, always looking for something new. All of this dead opposite from clients who tend to be, I'm generalizing a little bit here, but who tend to be more left brain, linear, process-oriented, data-oriented, change is very scary, 
Agencies love change, something new. So you've got these two forces, these two voices that don't always connect with one another well. The challenge is that it, the, the onus is on the agency to better translate for their clients. Our goal is to understand exactly what they're looking for in their next agency, their next marketing services firm. Why do they give one roster more work to one roster agency over another? Why did they pick that last agency that they did for that RFP? And one of the key things that we're hearing from clients is that there's this fear that the agency world doesn't really understand their business, isn't really focused on their business. What's more important is doing work that's really interesting and really cool and really creative, but not necessarily to the end goal of helping that client improve their their business. So there's this, yeah, there's this disconnect and agencies just have to get a little bit better at translating. And in fact, for a client, what we'll often hear is one of the, the, the interactions that gives them uh, a little bit of stress is when they're looking at creative. So say with an advertising creatively driven agency, and they're looking at different creative concepts, creative is very right brain. It's very conceptual. And if they don't fully 100% trust the agency, they get very nervous about which direction to go with, which work to pick. And and their sense of, uh, you know, their job security fears kick in, particularly senior decision makers, client side, don't tend to have long tenures anymore. If the organization, if they're not meeting their numbers, often the marketing chief is made the scapegoat. And they're released. We hear from a lot of marketing chiefs how they feel like the day they start at a new organization, there's sort of been this gun that's been fired at their back and they're just waiting for the moment that it catches up with them. And that might be a year, might be two, might be three years. But at the same time, they're they're up for the, the challenge to dig in and, and make a mark and improve the marketing of the organization in a way that helps grow the business. And I think agencies need to better understand those fears and those needs that are that are taking place. No, that's a good point. And I think, you know, there are some there is a bit of a nascent movement to really try to train and equip and career path agency talent to think in a bit more business orientation, you know, everything from simply reading your, if you're, you know, dealing with a, a large CPG, read their quarterly earnings statements, listen to the the analyst calls. There's a tremendous amount of data you can extract there, building things like account plans, but it's still part of it. I think, you know, there, there's a lot of pressures on um, salary load, you know, the, you know, your average account person at in an agency is going to come in at a different level and expectation than, than say someone at a McKinsey or an Accenture. But it's good to hear on the one hand that the agencies are doubling down in existing client growth, at least awareness of, of trying to match that business to business at the peer level would really go far. So we've, we've covered a couple of really cool topics and, and it's great to hear your experience because you see such an array of shops and, and even going into now media in our listenership and the sort of body of both clients and, and partners and then, and folks that are in the operational space. 
we've probably got you know, 30, 40% that are in that marketing services domain. Some are pure, you know, very creative shops. Some we see many more, these hybrid consultancies with the creative arm and everything in between. But everyone needs, everyone's in services. Everyone is selling services to potential clients. And you know, I've been personally through the the Mirren pitch training and find it to be you know extremely useful, a great investment. But for firm, maybe a, 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 a bespoke advisory firm or a firm that's maybe in the environmental engineering space that sells consulting or or techno, technology consulting, system integrator, what are some cool you know practical three or four nuggets you could leave with them that are universal in the pitch process to really hone in and think about improving their offering as they as they go to acquire a net new client because that's really you know where you where you and your firm shine yeah one of the things you have to look at right out of the gate in your pitch process is what are the KPIs of this particular client of the category that they operate within. Every industry vertical category has a a unique set of business, operational, marketing, KPIs. And you need to understand, you need to stop, and as a team, work through what those are, number one. Number two, which of those with your products, your services, can you best impact? And that's where the pitch starts. Now, often in an RFP situation, there's some form of a brief, not always well-written, but some form of a brief where the client has said, here's our objectives, here's our goals. But often that brief is written by a uh, a mid-level person on the team. Senior people are too busy to write briefs. So they delegate brief writing down to people who are not as strategic, not as well-versed on the organizational goals. So you must elevate poorly written briefs. If you receive a brief that is tactical in nature and you respond to that brief without improving it, you are a tactical vendor. So you take the KPIs that you can impact, that you've identified, you look at the objectives of the brief, and then you sort of overlap them in a Venn diagram kind of way. So what you're looking at is what is the client really looking to accomplish with this brief? What KPIs do the, these objectives ladder up to and impact? And that's where you focus. So for an, ex, for an example, in uh, say in the marketing services space, you know, awareness is one of the most common requests to an agency. We want to build awareness for this new product offering, new service offering. And there needs to be a little bit of dialogue because that's also very, um, very entry funnel. That's the low value stuff. Awareness is low value. It's commoditized. It's important, but it's low value compared to pushing a little bit further into the funnel. So there needs to be a bit of dialogue. You know, all right, awareness. That's interesting. Tell us more. Why do you need awareness? How will awareness benefit you? Well, and say you're, maybe it's a lodging industry, a hotel client, you know, well, you know, we've got issues with our off-season bookings, the shoulder seasons, we have a real dip. All right. So it sounds like off-season bookings is a key initiative for you. And it starts to evolve very quickly into a more significant, more important conversation and an elevated brief and elevated focus 
as you're going into the RFP process. I would say that is one of the most important and transformational steps that needs to happen for any organization pitching uh, a piece of business, pitching an opportunity with a new client is elevate the brief and focus on those more important uh, more meaningful objectives because that's where the senior decision makers who didn't write the brief, that's where they live. That's where they're held to account their bonuses. So you need to anticipate what that senior decision maker, the one actually making the selection, what they're going to need. Well, that's excellent. Excellent advice. And it, it sort of moves out of the boilerplate response to you know elevating get some nuance, get some texture, do some research on the client, and then turn it into real business reality. And that's why qualification is so key. Right. Because to win, you've, you've got to put in a bit more of an effort. So you only want to be pitching where you know your odds are going to be quite high. Oh, this has been great. And I think, you know, those are really just some some great practical insights in that pitch process. Because, you know, as I noted, whether we're a uh, a system integrator firm for you know a, a suite of software uh, platforms you can differentiate if you're you know an extremely hot bespoke creative shop you can you can differentiate but tying to that elevating that brief tying to real business outcomes is the name of the game so we're it's always kind of bittersweet but we're we're kind of coming to the end of the broadcast and for our guests I've had um, this great conversation. My name is Brent. My my guest name is Brent, and uh, which is always a little bit confusing. And as my my wife would say, I can't believe they made another one. Um, you're such a giant pain. But and along those lines, whenever we I interact with Marin, you know, I just have to tell the story that I think attending conference in Manhattan it would have been 2009. Fast forward a year and a half later, marriage. With a year and a half later, a couple of kids, mortgages, and all that from me attending a conference and going on a blind date with a young lady also in the advertising industry. And and there you go. So for listeners, I'm going to give you a a couple of really cool insights. One, if you're not registered for Mirren Live yet, you can go and sign up at their website, live.mirren.com, M-I-I. R-R-E-N.com. It's going to be an awesome event with tons of content, interactivity, collaboration, great live speakers, packed full of strategic as well as really practical insights to take back to your firms and deploy. And I think pound for pound, probably one of the really, really great values. They're going to have a virtual event for those who don't want to attend in person. The live event is going to be in Kansas City, May 17th to 18th. And again, if you can't be there in person, there'll be the hybrid online option as well. We're going to be there in person. I think I'm going to be hosting a think tank and taking part in the panel discussion. So it'd be great to register and uh, stop by and say hello. Yeah, we've got some good stuff cooked up. We're taking one more year off before heading back to New York and uh, hosting it at Barclay, one of the best agencies in the business. And we've got, it's it's really a rare opportunity to connect and collaborate with the best in the business. We've got, you know, Widening Kennedy, 72 and Sunny, Anomaly, Fig, Giant Spoon, an incredible group of agencies 
that just don't come together anywhere else. So it's, and all the search consultants will be there as well. So it's an opportunity to connect with them, but yeah, we've got some good stuff cooked up. No, that'll be great. Brent, thanks so much again for coming on the podcast. I think this will be a a great episode for folks to download, hear some insights, some great views on the state of the industry, particularly in the light of the past 24 months. So thanks again. And uh, we'll probably try to have you back at some point. Brent, thanks for having me. A lot of fun. I can talk about this stuff for, uh, for hours. It was great. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know by giving the show a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and leaving a comment. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, you can do so anywhere you get your podcast on any podcast app. And to learn more about the transformative power of Mavenlink, go to mavenlink.com. Thank you for listening.